Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the final game preview edition of the year. The Chiefs have made it to the last game of the season, and they are taking on the San Francisco 49ers 63 years for a chance at a Super Bowl title, first one in 50 years. We could not be more excited to be here talking about this game, getting you ready, previewing this game. Here to help me talk, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. I wish you good travels on your way to Miami. I'm excited you're getting to be there. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to ask again, you guys, some of you have already reached out. Any Chiefs fan going to Miami, especially if you know a fun place to come watch the game, hang out Saturday, maybe even hang out Sunday during the day, DM me on Twitter. I'm trying to catch them all. I'm just trying to see what's out there. I have some family that I'm traveling with, so I might bring a few people, but I'm going to try to work my way around, catch out some Chiefs fans, some AP faithful. So please let me know. I'm on my way down there, but this isn't about me. This is about the Chiefs playing in their first Super Bowl since Craig Woo. celebrated his sixth birthday. Also joining oh, us, man. Craig Stout. Bit- Find him on Twitter, at Barley Hop. How does it feel to witness your second Chiefs Super Bowl? Can't even get me down, fellas. Can't even <laughs> get me down. I'm coming in with energy. Guys, I'm going to leave this off real quick before we get into this episode. We got a lot of emails this week about game superstitions and altering your game superstitions because it is such a unique situation watching your team be in the Super Bowl. Leg day I just on the wanted beach. to share this. Leg day on the beach. Maddie's going to do his normal leg day. That's good because it never I'm going to stress eat a bag of Doritos. There you go. That's what those <laughs> two guys are doing. I want to share something with you that I have done for four separate championship games in my lifetime. It's 4-0. and These are major championships. Guys, you dress up for trophy day. <laughs> During the day, go out, get in a nice suit, nice dress, make yourself fancy. Wear your normal Chiefs gear. That's fine. You can wear it underneath. You can wear it over, whatever the case may be. But you dress up for trophy day because when the trophy's presented to you, you got to look your best. Like, you got to look fancy. You got to look your best. And you can't be missing part of the game to change into it because you know you're getting that trophy. Go put on your fancy clothes. I'm going to be wearing a full suit over my Patrick Mahomes White House Texas hoodie that is undefeated since the Titans game. Uh I'm going to be wearing a full suit, dressing up for trophy day. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be 5-0. and oh. It's going to work. So if you're dressing up for Trophy Day, send it to me. Hashtag dress up for Trophy Day. And I will retweet it. I, I'm looking forward to everybody. Not everybody. Whoever wants to doing this. Craig's, Craig's got a hashtag for it. Real quick though, Craig. Did you say the White House Texas 
hoodie is undefeated since the Titans game. Like I did not wear it at the Titans game. Did not wear it at the Titans game. I wore it for the first time on game day that very next week. I have not washed it since. Oh. I have worn it every game day since. You, you are very superstitious, my friend. I, I'm just saying, little little insight. Here's my real question. Well, I have two questions here. One, how does your suit fit over a hoodie? I mean, Mahomes it's, not, it's not really going to, but I'm I'm gonna do it anyway. Oh my, you're you're gonna okay. uh, you're gonna Chris Farley it. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle. That was my initial question. My second question is, if I dress up for trophy day, will you present me with the trophy so I'm looking my best while holding a trophy? Absolutely. I will I will present everybody with a virtual trophy. It's going to be a picture of Andy Reid holding up the Lombardi <laughs> and me in front of that picture just bawling my eyes out. Oh, I... I I hope I see that, Craig. I really do. <laughs> All right. So this is a big show. Um, it's obviously the, the biggest game preview. Maddie wanted to risk it all. And he wants to do a, a a game of some sort. He has some idea for us that totally will not end poorly like the last time Maddie tried to do a game. So why don't on the biggest game game preview of the year, you just go ahead and, and, and risk it all here, Maddie. So here's the thing. I unfortunately didn't get to join these guys with the last podcast coming out this week. I had to miss it. I have a lot going on here with getting ready for Miami, trying to buy a new house, just been a little busy. So I missed this. So I haven't got to get out all of my takes about this game. So I wanted to find a fun way to bring them up, test these guys' ability to spell and do some long division quickly on the fly. No, I'm kidding. There's there's no math or spelling this time, guys. Oh, no. I just wanted to run oh through God, thank God. a couple a couple hot takes that I just haven't got a chance to drive into that I don't think people are talking about enough about this game. And I just want your guys' quick, rapid reaction thoughts. More than one time, I've okay. heard a person say, if this game is going to be close, or the game is going to be close, whichever team wins. However, if it's a blowout, the 49ers are going to find a way to blow out the Chiefs. How do you think about that? How does that work? It doesn't. There, there's no, no, there's no way. Patrick Mahomes has not lost by two scores in his career. Like, that's not going to happen. There's no scenario where the 49ers are blowing out the Chiefs. None. None whatsoever. Patrick exactly. Mahomes is not going to, like, it's an over my dead body game. Therese Taylor keeps saying it. This is the third one in a row. It ain't mm. happening that way. Chills. No, I mean, obviously, I absolutely agree. The Chiefs have been down 17. They've been down 24. They've come back. They've been fine. The 49ers, they get down two scores. Are they really going to have Jimmy Garoppolo go down the field? No, you're not blowing out the Chiefs with that. Like, that's not happening. If it's a blowout, it's going the other no. way. All right, that kind of goes to my next point here. Nobody really talks about kind of the adversity the Chiefs have faced going through the playoffs, how they've been down, they've had to battle back. What adversity or challenges have the 49ers gone through? Like, how are these players and coaches going to react under pressure? The most pressured game that any of them have played or coached is Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl as the losing offensive coordinator. No other players played in a big game, especially a tough one, right? Like, am I missing somebody here? They have no experience in big games in the bright lights besides last week versus the Packers, which was never close. They pooped the bed against the Falcons. They pooped the bed against the Falcons. I mean, right. I mean, they they kept up in a shootout against the Saints. That was that's probably their profile. That's probably their high profile win. Yeah, 
on the I mean, road. They've got they got guys like Richard Sherman that have been around the league a long time. Like I mean, they got some players maybe individually that have been through some adversity, but the team as a whole, nah, I think, not yeah. really this year. I think I think the adversity. If you contrast the adversity that these two teams have been through, I mean, the Chiefs have been through way more, mm-hmm. like way more. I've been writing all week about it on Arrowhead Pride. They've been through so much, and not just I mean, not just the the, the comebacks. You know, forcing themselves to come back in two you know two playoff games. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that this team's been through. Yeah. Nope, would agree. I think this moves on to my next point. Mostert is the hot name right now, going far as to some people saying he is a better running back than Derrick Henry. So I'm just gonna need your quick opinion on how <laughs> um, he has become the new King Henry just because the Titans lost. Then we can move on. This one can be real quick. I just wanted to put that one in there real for fun. It's it's happened because the Green Bay Packers were playing with their linebackers at like seven yards off the line of scrimmage, and their defensive line was had terrible gap discipline. Like the Packers could not have played the run worse than they did. Like it it's it's bad, and that's what's fresh in everybody's memory. Well, he had four touchdowns. I mean, he had a nice line, but I think I saw something he was good. like from. He's a good player, but like. Mm-hmm. He's gone over, what, 80 yards or something like that, like five times in his career, something stupid like that. I saw some stat. Three. Three. Three, Three times in his in career. 50 games that he's played in. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Now, not all of those he got a ton <laughs> of workloads or anything like that, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in Go. case people haven't figured out, this is just a way for me to get off takes that I didn't get on Twitter uh, leading up to this, <laughs> so this has been fun for me. The uh, final one here. How is it not considered the Chiefs' defense is more likely to force a turnover from the San Francisco 49ers' offense, seeming they commit significantly more turnovers than the Chiefs do? It's wild because I think the way that I think the way the Chiefs turn the ball over is fumbling, and that's it. Like Patrick Mahomes does not throw interceptions. I knock on wood, he hasn't thrown an interception in his playoff career in four games. I mean. It, it no the 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 propensity to turn the ball over the turnover battle is very likely to be won by the Kansas City Chiefs in my opinion. Jimmy Garoppolo has turned the ball over twenty three times this season. Twenty three. Seems, Seems bad. Over one a game. I I just I. Listen, and Steve Spagnuolo has done a fantastic job. We talked about it all year long, putting guys in places to succeed. But if Tyron Matthew brings his good gloves. This week, my goodness. I just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Nope. That was, that was the yeah, end of the fun game. Man. Nope. That was the absolute end of the game. And it wasn't even really a game. It was just a chance to talk about some other things that weren't coming up that I haven't got a chance <laughs> to talk about yet since I had to miss our last podcast. <laughs> I just breathed a sigh of relief. Like, I legit, I was like, really scared. Because the last time Maddie tried to do a game, he's making us do head math. And spelling and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, like no, this no wasn't a game. Hey, don't go look it up. I just wanted to torture you guys and say it was a game. It was really just getting just some hot takes yeah. off that I didn't get a chance to really talk about because I've been busy this week. You know, just fun stuff that throws some digs and some popular no, narratives out there. I like that. There's Those are some really bad narratives out there. I've been, uh, I've seen them. I've seen them. There's some really bad narratives out there. Apparently, Frank Clark is like the 39th best player in this football game, which is the 
uh, it's it's absurd. Okay, we haven't it's even so started the preview. We're it's 11 absurd. minutes in. Are you trying to get me going for another 10 minutes before we start talking about <laughs> the I'm not. I could I could go for an hour on Frank Clark. Yeah, okay. Four sacks in the playoffs. Okay. Let's go ahead and preview this football game. Uh, we got three storylines on offense on de- in, in defense as we usually do. Let's start on offense with Patrick LeVon Mahomes. And I think we've got to start with explosive plays. I think that's a crucial piece of this is, is generating some explosive plays, Maddie. The Chiefs are number one team at offense in the league at executing explosive plays. Pretty much any barometer you want to use in a five an explosive play, the Chiefs lead the league. The 49ers defense depending on what you want to use, is usually first or second in defending explosive plays. Their style of defense they play is very good for defending these deep, long plays. Which one wins? It's you know a strength versus strength, chief speed versus the 49ers kind of scheme that protects them over the top. But here's the big thing. The Chiefs have an insane amount of speed, and the 49ers, it's a, their secondary is a bunch of mid-4-4 four, four speed guys. That doesn't run with 4-3 flat players like Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman. Can they get behind them? Will Patrick Mahomes have the ability and the time to hit them behind them? Or likely even more importantly, when they do have to throw the ball underneath, can they force a couple missed tackles like they have been able to do these last few weeks, get some yards after the catch? Because those 30, 40 yards plays that come off of a six, seven yard catch or maybe a run here and there, those count just as much. That's what the 49ers are going to give you. If you can make them play with some chunk plays off of those short passes, you really set yourself up to hit those deep balls up over their head when you get those isolation routes. And it's not even the deep balls that I'm really even looking at for explosive plays. I mean, those are definitely going to be there because of like what Maddie said. Those guys just don't have that kind of speed. Damian Williams operating underneath. They're going to have to, you know, commit a ton of assets to defending McCole Hardman, to defending Tyree Kill, even Travis Kelsey up the seam, trying to defend some of these deeper routes. If they're truly going to play a cover three shell, they're going to be able to operate in the flats. And if Damian Williams, who has been particularly elusive so far these playoffs, can make a guy miss underneath, you may have a guy that's chasing well down the field with his back to Damian Williams. You can spring off a 25, 30, 40 yard play with him with him up to speed and him running into space i i think that the chiefs have some serious potential both over the top and underneath to kind of set up some of these explosive plays pick up big chunk plays we've seen it happen throughout the playoffs i don't expect it to quit now couple things andy uh he's he's going in the back room he's pulling out dusting off the index cards of the best pat plays he hasn't used yet he's unloading He's unloading the deck. There's going to be some stuff that we haven't seen. They've been setting up all year for this very moment. There's going to be some good stuff. Everybody's talking about Kyle Shanahan, you know, scheming things up. Watch out for Andy Reid because he's going to have some stuff up his sleeve too. He doesn't have to talk about it the same way Shanahan might feel like he needs to, but, but Andy's got some stuff in there cooking. He's going to be cooking on Sunday. The other thing is explosive plays. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be within the structure of the play necessarily either. I think just as importantly for this game, it's the plays out of structure that can generate explosive plays. The Niners got to be very good on those second reaction plays when Patrick Mahomes is out of the pocket. I think the last time these two teams matched up, Patrick Mahomes had one of the best plays of his entire career out of structure, if I remember correctly. 
Uh, so I'm I'm feeling I'm already feeling myself a little bit. Every this is what happens when we start talking about this these games. I start feeling a little bit good about this football team. Uh, that the juices are flowing. So uh, let's talk about number two, beating zone coverage, a heavy zone team, the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are the most zone heavy team in the NFL. They run a ton of cover three. They run, they ran a lot of quarters coverage to start the year. They've kind of drifted back towards that cover three later in the season and especially in the playoffs. I don't know what they'll run in the Super Bowl. Likely a mix of the two. But if the Chiefs are going to beat them, they're going to have to find a way to deal with that kind of Seattle Seahawks style cover three with the outside corners kind of protecting themselves deep. They have some nice adjustments to defend the Chiefs' preferred three-by-one formations, getting those cross-field over routes, and the Chiefs are going to have to find a way to take care of that. Everyone wants to point to the Chargers game as a blueprint. The Chiefs scored on five out of eight real drives, and I really believe the only reason they didn't score on six was a miscommunication that resulted in a Patrick Mahomes interception. If you take that away, they probably scored on six out of eight drives. I'm not sure if that's a blueprint you want to use to stop the Chiefs. I've been writing about this all week, about what the 49ers do, how the Chiefs can beat it. But essentially, your big thing is going to be is just stretch them out. Flood their zones. You can only cover so many receivers with your zones, whether you want to be vertical, whether you want to be short to the sideline, wherever you want to go, you put multiple receivers into the same zone area, make a guy choose who to cover. And when you have the weapons the Chiefs do, that becomes impossible. Yes. Flood concepts beat match zones, period. They take a little longer to develop. You've got to pass protect a little bit better. I mean, that's going to be a problem against a good 49ers defensive line. But being able to flood every level of the field force the defense to have to make decisions because they make wrong ones too often. Here's the other part of this. Maddie kind of covered everything there. The Chiefs, according to Sports Info Solutions, have the highest EPA per drop back against cover three in the league. The Saints are second, and they've got probably another 50% more than the Saints. So by far the highest in the league. Did, it, you know uh, did the Saints score f- like 48 against the, or 38 against the Niners? It's funny, it's funny you say that. Huh. They did. Yeah. Oh. 40, 46. Oh. Um, Sheesh. Yes. That game was a shootout. Huh. Against cover four? Per drop back, the Chiefs are number one in the league in EPA per drop back. So the two primary coverages that the 49ers play, the Chiefs are the absolute best in the league against. I know that we've talked a lot about that coverage scheme and the ability to shut it down. Guys, this is going to be a great matchup. The 49ers are a really strong pass defense, but the Chiefs are built to take advantage of every coverage, you know, not just those, but they are fantastic against those. And it could be that the Niners are able to keep the Chiefs from those explosive plays that we talked a little bit about because I think that's something they're definitely going to try. They're going to carry for depth with the vertical stuff, and that means that there's going to be stuff open on, on short. There's going to be stuff open underneath that that second level defender. Um, you know the Chiefs. I, even the you know when they've played the 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 Chargers, the first time they played the Chargers, the Chargers were really intent on taking away the deep deep stuff. Uh, and so what they do, they threw short to Sammy Watkins. They threw short to Travis Kelsey. They threw out of the backfield to Lashawn McCoy. Uh, and they were able to drive with success. So, I mean, the, there might be some times where the, the Niners, you know, force the Chiefs and force Patrick Mahomes to be patient and drive down the field. That could be the case. But there should be 
a lot of stuff available. And that, that could be a really good thing for the Chiefs, especially if, you know, the pass rush is getting home. Uh, oh, Maddie, you wanted to add something. I had a really good transition in the next thing, but whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to trip buddy. all over your transition. <laughs> just because I wanted to talk about what you said. I think that first Chargers game, the Chargers did kind of take the Chiefs out of their comfort zone. But you saw in the next game, first the Titans, who also played a lot of cover three, the Chiefs right. became a lot better at taking what was available underneath them. They learned how to drive down the field by only taking the seven, eight yards at a time. They had four scoring drives against the Chargers and the Titans where no play went over 20 yards. They drove right down the field, no problem. They figured out how to do it. I think that first Chargers game was a big wake-up call for how to play against cover three in a different way than they did last year in 2018. Very right. And they do have some, I mean, there, there'll be some adjustments that they can make too down the field too. I don't, I don't think they're just going to completely eliminate. They're, just, they're not. They flat out aren't. Um, I was going to talk about dealing with pressure. I had a, you know, that just transition just dunked on by Matt. Uh, thanks a lot, bud. But I, I, I think that's that's obviously going to be a crucial piece of this football game. The, you know, they a very good front from San Francisco and the Chiefs who have had a lot of success in the postseason so far holding up again against a very good front. This has been one of those annoying take things we were just talking about that have been so bad. The thought process seems to be that the 49ers front is so good, so great with their 48 sacks or whatever it is on the year where they are going to completely run through the Chiefs offensive line while ignoring that the Chiefs' offensive line has been one of the best at pass protecting in the NFL. Now, that's helped by Patrick Mahomes and his ability to move around in the pocket, but the Chiefs' offensive line is not poor. It's been playing very well, especially since Steven Wisniewski's taken over on the interior. And even against the 49ers, I think they line up or they match up pretty well. Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher are the best two offensive linemen in the entire game on either team. That's going up against the 49ers' best pass rushers, and they're already used to playing on an island, so that will allow the interior guys for the Chiefs to try to deal with the stunts or DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead up the middle. Not that the Chiefs' offensive line is going to shut them out, but they match up pretty well against them compared to some other teams in the league. Yeah, it's a good matchup. It's a really good matchup because the 49ers' pass rush is good. The Chiefs have seen a lot of good pass rushes so far this season. It hasn't slowed Mahomes down outside of injury. So I expect that the Chiefs are going to be able to move the pocket a little bit, dial up some concepts that can get the ball out quicker, You know, maybe even use a little play action, try and force some of these guys to be a little bit off balance. We've seen Damian Williams chipping edge rushers a lot. You might see a little bit of help there to help release some of these down the field concepts a little bit longer. I just don't expect, you know, everybody's walking in. Maybe Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher aren't household names at tackle as much as, you know, any tackle can be a household name. And obviously Nick Bosa is and D Ford is. Those are the big names. So people just kind of naturally assume that those guys are going to get theirs in every single game. I just think that this is a much more even matchup than maybe it's been painted out to be with this kind of dominant fashion that I certainly 49ers fans and some national media just kind of expect that that defensive line is going to ruin everything that the Chiefs can do when we've seen that that's not necessarily the case against other good pass rushes this year. You know, I think Steven Wisniewski has been a really solid stabilizing force in the middle of that interior offensive line. I think he's been part of the reason that you've seen some some in additional success from that group. And um, I think 
they they've got some things figured out in the middle of the defense or middle of the offense a little bit better than they have. I I really do think, you know, LDT a little bit healthier, Wisniewski playing well. I think that's really helped Ryder a lot. So, um, you know, I think this group's up for the challenge. I think Mahomes, you know, he he's been been pretty sharp and been able to identify a lot of things uh, and help get that group situated correctly anyway. So, um, it, it's working well right now, and I feel good about it. Uh, in this game. Obviously, I think the Niners are going to get there still, but I, I think the Chiefs will be able to hold up more than enough. Okay, players to watch. Let's start with Craig. Okay, uh, two weeks ago, I picked J.J. Watt's dad, Eric Fisher, as my offensive player to watch. Last week, I picked Eric Fisher as my player to watch. <laughs> so this week, because the Chiefs have had success, guess what, guys? It's Eric Fisher again. He's probably going to see plenty of Nick Bosa. I'm, I'm guessing that they're probably going to put D Ford against Mitchell Schwartz and try and take advantage of Nick, Nick Bosa's power against Fisher. We've seen him struggle with some power rushers. Definitely been better, especially as of late. Eric Fisher holds his own against Nick Bosa. Oh my goodness. This offense can light up the scoreboard if he's not going to be living in the back backfield he can be a true game wrecker eric fisher has the potential to shut him out i think last week we kind of saw tyreek hill start to get on a roll a little bit he had the two touchdowns it's kind of his first big massive impact game in a little while and it was nice to see for chiefs fans i think this is the kind of game where he can really shine the 49ers defense robert sala good defensive coordinator they like to line up and do what they do well. They don't like to change stuff up. They're not really going to come into the game, at least I don't imagine they will, planning on bracketing Tyree Kill on early downs. They're not going to slide a safety over the top of him and let somebody play man underneath him. They're not going to make his life difficult. They're going to do what they do well. That means the Chiefs can scheme plays up for Tyree Kill, let him take advantage of these one-on-one opportunities that he really doesn't get that much to do. His speed versus Richard Sherman versus Mosley on the other side. You get him matched up with Jimmy Ward deep, that's a mismatch. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to take advantage of it most of the game. For me, it's Damian Williams. I, I kind of talked a little bit earlier here about, you know, how you know the, the Niners might carry for depth a little bit like some teams have trying to take away some of the vertical stuff and, and maybe giving up some of the shorter stuff underneath. Damian Williams is a guy I think who can feast in those situations. You know, one of the things that the Chiefs have really utilized a lot more with Damien Williams is not lazy swing routes, but more direct shoot. I call them shoot or, or bullet routes. Kind of just getting him a little bit more vertically down the field and, and Mahomes putting a ball on him with some pace, letting him get upfield. I, I could see them doing some of that kind of stuff too because if, you know, if the Niners are carrying for depth, you know, th- those kind of things, that, that could be a nice little opportunity for, for him to, you know, generate some yards. And it's not a lazy you know, swing route out of the backfield. Like you saw maybe with the Alex Smith there, it's, you know, it's some direct on you kind of on kind of routes like that. I could see that happening with the chiefs again this week. All right, we're going to take a break and we will be back to preview the defensive side of the ball right after this. Survivor 46 is here. And so is on fire. The only official survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Continuing our Super Bowl preview. Boy, that sounds fun to say. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, it's time to talk about the defense. Craig is now uh, fully engaged hmm. here. <laughs> uh, I think we got to talk first about the defensive ends against outside zone. That That's definitely going to be a key piece of this here this week, Craig. I mean, that's that's kind of the big thing that everybody wants to talk about this week. The conversation has revolved around Raheem Mostert and the stretch run game by the 49ers and the way that they're going to be able to get to the edge and you know beat our slow linebackers and everything. I've even talked about it. The defensive ends play a huge part in that. The defensive ends are going to get one-on-one blocks against these tackles, against tight ends, against Juszczyk coming out of the backfield and 21 personnel. They're going to try and hit these defensive ends with lighter guys and try and win that way. Frank Clark and Terrell Suggs are both excellent, strong edge setters, and they squeeze the gap as they're driving guys back into the backfield. That's going to destroy some of the outside zone reads. You're going to take away kind of the bounce and you're going to take away a little bit of the bang as well. Like it, You're not going to be able to hit them, hit the outside zone the same way if you have a defensive end that's squeezing the gap and setting a good hard edge. Both of those guys can do it. When I did my Terrell Suggs review earlier in the year when the Chiefs acquired him, one of the games I watched was against San Francisco. And guess what? He dominated George Kittle in the run game. He was absolutely destructive. And they kept trying to put Kittle on him. And it didn't work. So... I would expect the Chiefs are going to try and rely on their defensive ends to contain everything and have their linebackers play a little more in between the tackles and not have to align outside or worry about stretch runs as much. And that's the tricky thing the 49ers do is they are going to give you a lot of different looks. They're going to get George Kittle. They're going to actually split him out probably an extra six inches to a foot wider than the offensive tackle with the goal to stretch out your defensive line so it just makes it an easier kick-out block for him, lets their tackle climb up to the second level. They're going to trap, so they're going to run a trap. They're going to let the tackle leave the defensive end, climb immediately to the second level, and let Kyle Juszczyk come behind the formation and take on, you know, with a wham block against the defensive end. They're trying to get their tackles to the second level more than they're trying to get their tight end to their fullback to the second level. And like Craig said, Terrell Suggs already proven that he's pretty good. He had a good game against George Kittle. George Kittle probably wins some reps, like he will, because he's a very good player. But mm-hmm. he's not going to get big boyed out of the entire play over and over again, like we saw from the Smith brothers for Green Bay, or you even saw from times at a Daniel Hunter in Minnesota. And on the other side, Frank Clark's hands down an even better run stop than Terrell Suggs. I'm like, that's not a knock. Just Frank Clark has been that good. They just went against two offensive tackles that I believe were both ranked in the top five, if not three in the NFL in terms of run blocking grade over the last year in the playoffs, they absolutely dominated Taylor Luan and Jack Conklin in the run game. 
it's going to be difficult for the 49ers to get those same angles they were getting last week against the Chiefs, against Frank Clark, against Terrell Suggs. I think they play a huge part. It allows those linebackers to play more aggressive and shoot interior gaps if you're going to turn Mostert back inside where he's significantly less effective. And then you get to the point, George Kittle versus Terrell Suggs, or George Kittle versus Frank Clark. I'll take the chances. Like, I know George Kittle's great, but I'll take the chances that they'll be able to get off that block and make a play more often than they're not. One thing I'm kind of curious about is just to see if Terrell Suggs gets more burned this week than normal because it's an all-out game, because it's, you know, uh, it could be his last game of his career. Who knows? Because I, I, I think, you know, Tano Pasino's had a good year. Uh, I think overall, I think he's gotten better over the course of the season. He had two sacks mm-hmm. in last week's, you know, or last yeah, uh, two weeks ago in the uh, AFC Championship game. I think when he's on the field in early downs, Tano Passanio is getting a run at. Uh, that would because I don't think they're going to be running at. Uh, I don't think they're going to be running much at uh, Frank Clark. I think they're going to try to run it at Tano more. Um, <clears throat> Misdirection and motion, a key component of the San Francisco 49ers offense, Craig. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is kind of a wizard. I know we kind of downplayed that a little bit at the beginning, that Andy Reid's not kind of getting the same burn as an offensive mind. But that doesn't mean that Kyle Shanahan isn't an elite offensive mind. He does. He's so good. He does 21 personnel. That's a fullback and a running back with a tight end and two wide receivers better than anybody in the NFL. It creates mismatches. It creates you know advantageous looks for the 49ers because the base personnel is on the field. And he's able to do that by splitting guys out wide, by by kind of doing swivel motions, selling like they're blocking power and having Juszczyk, you know, start to lead block and then pivot and come back around on an end around stuff that you don't see other offenses doing. I, it, it's really, truly, it's really fun to watch as a guy who just appreciates the game of football, who appreciates, you know, watching some of these things develop and the new concepts that he's able to put on the field. He's able to get so many different advantageous looks. They're going to get theirs because of the misdirection, because of the motion, uh, late motions, things like that to try and you know confuse coverages, confuse reads in the tackles. You're just going to see a lot of situations where the 49ers are going to break off some plays, and it's going to be because of Kyle Shanahan putting these guys in the best spots and you know, kind of confusing the defensive fronts a little bit. There's only so much you can prepare for, and he's definitely got some stuff held back for this week. I've long been a Kyle Shanahan fan. I've had him up there with Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Sean McVay for that short time before this year where he looked more human as one of the best offensive minds in football. I think he belongs there. I think his offenses are phenomenal. He gets so many free, easy plays for average players routinely. It's absolutely amazing what he does. The one thing that I'm going to counter with, Steve Spagnuolo's been here before. He's been here a couple times before, and he's been good in these situations. Like I think people have overlooked that. There's been a lot of Robert Sala talk this week, and there's been very little about Steve Spagnola. Very little about Brendan Daly. Like, let's think of some game plans that those two guys have used in their most recent Super Bowl trips and how excellent that they've been. But we're going to talk about what Robert Sala might do. Like, I get it. He's a very good defensive coach. 
How about we focus on the guys that have been there, that have actually called some major shots and made some huge plays? Big thing, Brendan Daly, he played against another team that loved pre-stat motion and misdirection last year in the Super Bowl. He was the defensive line coach that helped the Patriots completely shut down the Rams' offense. He played a big part in that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about Steve Spagnola helping slow down some New England Patriots teams. Like These guys have been good. They've been there. They will absolutely get gotten plenty by Kyle Shanahan because he's amazing, but we can't pretend like they're not going to have some tricks up their sleeves as well to get Kyle Shanahan or, more importantly, Jimmy Garoppolo back. Let me, let me just interject right here because I, I want to ask you guys both this question. I've asked this question of, of a few people that Chiefs fans that have come to me and said, oh, you know, are you, you're worried about them throwing so much. Are you worried about them being able to run? I say Steve Spagnolo had to coach against the 2007-2008 Patriots team, <laughs> Argue, arguably one of the greatest offenses of all time. Are they more scary are the San Francisco 49ers more scary than the 2007-2008 Patriots? What, no. Uh, yeah. No. Not at all. Not at I all. Mean, they don't even belong on the same page of a book listing scary offenses. Like, it's not even close. Yeah. No. And they're still a good isn't. offense, but they I mean, are. like... They're a good yeah. offense. Yeah. I think I one of the things... One of the things I wanted to talk about, I really, I thought Matt, I thought Maddie kind of closed it out really well. I kind of like that. I got a little, got the chills a little bit, but I think it's going to take, I think you got to play discipline football, all 11. It's not, it's not just some guys, all guys need to play uh, discipline football. I think even along the interior, Chris Jones, I think he's going to get wham blocked a couple times this week. I think he's going to get upfield and he is going to get his bell rung a couple times. They're going to get him on some of those wham plays. And I think, you know, that's that's a way, you know, that's a good way to slow down interior pressure a little bit is if those guys, if their heads on a swivel a little bit. Um, I, I've seen it, you know, guys that get whammed, they're kind of looking around a little bit after they get whammed. So you've got to keep an eye on that kind of stuff. You've got to play really disciplined football. You need 11 guys, you know, playing with good eyes. And playing with the same set of eyes. A lot of people talk about that. That's important. It's going to be really important this game. They play sound football. They're going to be in good shape. Anthony uh, Hitchens used that exact same terminology. Everybody playing with the same set of eyes. Hmm. Anthony Hitchens said that in Super Bowl media this week. Nice. Making sure everybody's a unified front. So, good call, Ken. They got to, man. I mean, it's, just, that's, I mean it's, 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 the, it's the case for most weeks. But against the Shanahan team... I, with all we that can, misdirection, yeah. Look, we the Chiefs cannot lose to Mike Shanahan's son. They cannot lose to Mike Shanahan's son and the 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 old number fifty five that cost him a, a a Super Bowl opportunity last year. The the receiver that spurned them. They cannot lose. They cannot lose to this guy, Jim Garoppolo. The third. The third. The third storyline. Make Jim Garoppolo beat you. I dare Jim Garoppolo to try to go up and and match Patrick Levon Mahomes. Matty, go. Sorry, I'm getting off on a rant. Oh, no. By all means, I was just waiting for you to go ahead and let the good people know that Matt Breida was going to be the 2020 starting Chiefs running back while you were also setting people that we couldn't lose to. But, no. alas, we'll approach that in the offseason. No, no, save that one. 
Okay. We'll, Save we'll that, one. that one back. Forget I said that. Maybe Matt Breida will finally get a ring in Kansas City. Hold on. Maybe Matt Breida will finally get a ring in Kansas City. Boom. Sorry. Go. Ooh. So, if you're going to beat the 49ers, very similar story to how you're going to beat the Tennessee Titans, you make their quarterback beat you. You stop their run game. Specifically, you stop their run game on early downs. If you can force the 49ers into drop back passes where the Chiefs know the pass is coming, you are significantly less afraid of their passing attack. That takes away some of the super skilled, some of the great things that Kyle Shanahan can do. When you remove play action from Jimmy Garoppolo's arsenal, when you remove these leak you know, reps that they get from Kittle or Juszczyk, where they insert through the middle of the offensive line before going out into a route or squeeze around behind it, these things, you take them away if it's third and long, if it's second and long. You are just allowed to play coverage the Chiefs can absolutely stop the 49ers if that is the case. Even more so, Jimmy Garoppolo is about as one read of a quarterback as you're going to get to play in a Super Bowl. Even even more than that, he only throws in the middle of the field. If you force him to throw outside the numbers, that ball comes out like a duck. It looks like Lamar Jackson throwing the ball out there, just with a lot less velocity. He's just as likely to throw an interception Ooh. as he is a completion at that point in time almost like he is not a quarterback that's going to drop back and pick apart a defense make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you but don't let him do it off play action because he does have a quick release he is pretty good at working through his first two reads when he has to read one player you make him hold the ball he'll take sacks he'll make mistakes every game yeah, uh, I'm I'm still recovering from the uh, Lamar Jackson shot right there in the middle of that, Maddie. But uh, yeah, no, I, that's exactly what you want to do. Chris Jones said it this week. It, it even said one thousand percent. We want to put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. That's not shade towards Jimmy. They don't want the 49ers to run the ball. They want to force those receivers. They want to force a longer pass drop because Chris Jones wants to get after the passer. That's what he's best at. And it makes perfect sense. I think the Chiefs can get after the passer. Against that interior offensive line, he can have success. I think that both Frank Clark, Terrell Suggs, Tano Passigno coming on as a change of pace guy, as a rusher out there, can really get after these offensive tackles a little bit. If you're forcing Jimmy Garoppolo to have to traditionally sit back and read the field, he's going to try and throw between the hashes and the numbers a lot. He loves, he lives in that. If you watch a game, he's going to target that area of the field over and over and over and over. I see Bashad Breeland, Tyron Matthew, these guys, we've seen them bait some quarterbacks in, quickly transitioning off of their zone assignment, you know, maybe cone off, have, you know, have a good rep where you recognize the route distribution coming off. Jimmy Garoppolo's still going to throw it. He's going to see the open throwing lane. He's going to try and hit it. You're going to have guys like Tyron Matthew, like Bashad Breeland, that have that quick play ID that can sink into those spots, maybe come up with an interception, at the very least come up with a pass breakup, force him into another long down and distance situation. Yeah, I... I I think, you know, getting getting Jimmy Garoppolo into those third long situations, I think, is a crucial piece of this football game. Um, I think a lot of the, the passing potential of this team, of the Niners, is really after the catch. You know, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is just chucking it down the field and, and you know, making plays, you know, at the third level of the defense a lot. It's really open lanes for big receivers like, 
Debo Samuel to just run through and George Kittle getting yak. I mean, it's a lot of crossing routes. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of plays, short plays turning into long plays all after the catch. And, you know, if you can force, you know, if you can force him to win down the field, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a lot of success. And it's, it's up to the, you know, the defense to stop the run, put him in those predictable downs. And it's on the offense to put pressure. The offense needs to put pressure on the Niners and force them to play that kind of game. It will end well for this football team and they will end up on top. All right, players to watch. Craig? Oh, okay, early on in the game, the 49ers are going to use lots of 21 personnel. If it's still close, if they're winning, it's going to continue. That 21 personnel is likely going to be countered with Steve Spagnolo's 4-3 base defense. That means a lot of reps for my son, Reggie Ragland. <laughs> Reggie does not smell like onion rings, if you saw that interview on Twitter. And he is out here... <laughs> ready to get himself a ring. He's got to be one of those guys that can scrape over the top, that's filling some of those exterior gaps. They're going to try and get him, you know, outside of the tackle a little bit and try and get him mixed up in some of these run and pass reads, try and catch him in coverage against some faster guys. He's got to be able to put pressure on these backs out of the backfield when they're releasing, hit them. He's done very well, you know, disrupting their route releases as he's coming out of the backfield. And then setting that edge when Frank Clark, Terrell Suggs, those guys have to be responsible for an interior gap. He's got to be able to set the edge against Kittle, trying to hold his own, force the run back inside. Reggie could end up being a big player early. And if the game is close, he might have to complete or continue playing a lot of snaps as it goes along. For me, we've already talked about some of the reasons why, but the landlording honey badger patrolling the middle of the field for the Chiefs is going to be pivotal for the Chiefs defense getting stops. The rushing game, there's huge implications in terms of stopping the 49ers rushing game, but even once you do that, you still have to make plays against the pass. You still have to defend against the play action that's going to come. That's going to fall a ton on the Tyron Matthew, who spends a ton of his time in the slot or playing kind of that box safety role. When the Chiefs are in their base package, he's going to be the guy tasked with trying to shadow over Kittle, use check as they try to slip out of the behind the box, behind the offensive line, get out of the flats. Jimmy Garoppolo will not make eye contact with his receiver until he's about to throw it on some of these play action passes. Even if it's not play action, he'll try to look somebody off and then come back to it. He throws a lot of interceptions as he works back to a guy that he wants to throw to. Tyron Matthew, I have no doubt. I'm calling it now. He is going to have an interception on this game on a pass over the middle of the field to either George Kittle or Kyle Juszczyk. He's going to get up after this interception. You're going to get another too smart gift, and he's going to tell you all about how he saw this play on film 13 weeks ago and filed it away for this exact moment because that's what he's been doing this year. The 49ers want to put the ball right into his wheelhouse, into his area on the field, and the landlord – he doesn't accept that without payment, and that payment's going to be an interception in the Super Bowl. Oh, baby. Oh, man. Okay, Maddie, let's go. I'm ready. Maddie let's go. Maddie's bringing it today. <laughs> Maddie is on fire. No wonder you aren't wearing sleeves, my guy. I'm about to take a whole shirt <laughs> you off are for just, you. You're just too hot. You're too hot. <laughs> I'm getting ready. My guy's Chris Jones. Here's the thing. I think Jimmy G... 
Uh, if you get him throwing off schedule, if you get him, if you force him to throw athletically, I think that's good things for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Jim G has a little bit of Kirk Cousins in him, and y'all know what I think about Kirk Cousins. I think I think Chris Jones is capable of having of forcing Jim G to channel his inner big game Kirk Cousins. I think Christopher Jones can go out and impact this game, disrupting the interior of the offensive line, being the you know elite interior pass rusher that he is, disrupting the football game, and, and really forcing Garoppolo uh, to to throw athletically. I think I really honestly think Chris Jones has to to make an impact, disrupting this football game if the Chiefs are going to win. Okay, fellas. Prediction time. The last prediction of the year. The last prediction of the year. What you got? This game is going to start as a very even matchup. I think teams are going to trade a little bit. I think that Steve Spagnuolo is going to feel it out a little bit, and he's going to turn it on. I think the Chiefs are going to have a good second quarter. I think that they're going to get out to a multiple score lead. I'm saying again, like I did against the the Tennessee Titans, that they get out to about an 11 point lead. A late, late score by the 49ers cuts it to four, but the Chiefs are able to close it out. Andy Reid is going to lift the Lombardi. Andy Reid is going to be justified, vindicated in everything that he's done so far in the NFL. Kansas City's getting a championship. Chiefs win. 35-31. So I've said a lot here. Had a lot of hot takes flying off. Seems like I may have belittled the 49ers a little bit. That all stands. It's all true. However, I do think the 49ers are a good football team. Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach. They have a ton of talent top to bottom on their team. Their issue is their talent, biggest talent gap to the Chiefs is a quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven sport right now, and the Chiefs have the best one in the league, and it's not even close. Points are going to be scored in this game. Both defenses are going to struggle. It might even come down to which defense maybe nets an extra stop or two. I already told you Tyron Matthews getting that interception. The stop goes to the Chiefs. Chiefs win this one 38-34. Craig can rejoice in his suit as he takes a picture of him crying in front of Andy Reid holding a trophy. It's... uh. It's been a long couple weeks, and it has been a long 50 years. It took this team 34 years to draft a first-round quarterback between Todd Blackledge and Patrick Mahomes. And everything since Patrick Mahomes has come here um, has been different. I, it's, it's crazy to, to think about this right now. But Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs for two years. They've went to two straight AFC championship games. Just that is pretty remarkable. But they won it this time. Andy Reid deserves this game more than anyone in the National Football League. In Kansas City, you deserve this game. You deserve this championship opportunity more than anyone in the world. I love you, Kansas City. It's been a fun year. And I'll see you on Wednesday at the parade. 
42-38 Kansas City Chiefs. We'll We'll catch you later. You dress up for trophy day.